Welcome back to To The Point, a podcast of the Wilson Center's Latin American program. I am your host, Benjamin Gadan. On August 11th, the U.S. Senate confirmed Lieutenant General Laura Richardson as the next commander of the U.S. Southern Command. She is the first woman to ever hold that post, and her responsibilities include security cooperation for all of Central and South America. In this episode, I speak with Liliana Ayalde, former U.S. ambassador to Brazil, former civilian deputy to the commander, and foreign policy advisor at the U.S. Southern Command. We discuss the significance of Lieutenant General Richardson's confirmation and Southcom's priorities under the Biden administration. Ambassador Ayalde, thank you for joining us. A pleasure to be here, and thank you. Thank you, Ben, for inviting me. The nominee to lead the Southern Command, as you know, is U.S. Army Lieutenant General Laura Richardson. She has served in Korea and Iraq previously. She is known, among other things, for being only the second woman ever to become a four-star Army general. Here, we're going to focus on something quite historic and new about her nomination, which is she's only the second woman to ever lead a geographic combatant command and the first ever to lead the Southern Command with responsibility for Latin America. Among many aspects of this historic nomination is the fact that it clearly sends an important message, I would argue, to Latin America, where women make up something like 4% of the armed forces and where, to this day, many combat and command positions remain off-limits to women. There are countries that do stand out. Argentina, for example, is a regional leader, but even there, it's about one in five service members is a woman, although important to note that's a higher rate than in the United States. This is despite lots of research that shows the value of increasing women's representation in security services, including with the goal of improving public trust. You have a lot of experience in this area. You were the senior civilian commander to the Southern Command. You were our ambassador in Paraguay and Brazil, obviously as a woman in a region where not many of the ambassadors are female. My question for you is whether you think Southcom today has the kind of standing and influence for the symbolism of this nomination to make a big difference in how the region will make similar decisions going forward. Uh, yes, Ben. So, uh, first of all, I think you are quite right. This is historic. I went back and I looked over the 31 former combatant commanders, uh, Southcom commanders, all male and uh, representing different services, but at the end of the day, they were all male. So that in itself is historic. It's quite striking. And it's, it's a message, I think, that also the administration sends about its seriousness and its commitment about elevating well-qualified women to leadership positions. But most important was your question about the message it sends to the region. This is a unique region in terms of military issues. There's not an open conflict, in, but yet security and the peacefulness, let's say, of, of the region is threatened because of other kinds of threats. We do have very high violence and very a lot of concern on security issues. So so security is a very, very important issue for society and for the, our partners in the region. And in that sense, Southcom has played an important role, plays an important role. And so it's seen as a referente, like they would say in Spanish. And certainly our military is seen as a reference. And when we put a female at that leadership role, it will be noticed. And when we talk about, for instance, women, peace and security, the, all the principles and, and how, how we need to integrate and include women, 
uh, well, we have to practice it. We have to model it. So here is a perfect model. And I think that is a perfect way of demonstrating that we mean business and this is how you do it. It's not easy. You mentioned that there are different countries uh, that are at different parts of the scale. And certainly even those that like Argentina that are you know, I think it's something like uh, 17% of their armed forces are female. It's still not uh, at a very high level. And, you know, we range, uh, some are doing a lot right now, like Jamaica and Trinidad, but there's a lot, a lot more that needs to be done. So I think uh, her leadership does send a strong signal to the region that it can be done. We need to focus on what those barriers are. And that's an ongoing dialogue, conversation that Southcom has been having, and I have no doubt that it will continue in, into the future. Liliana, why has Latin America fallen behind when it comes to female representation of the armed forces, not to mention you know, women in, in leadership positions in the armed forces? We've seen an effort, for example, at greater gender parity when it comes to the Congresses of Latin America, often through quota systems. But, you know, places like Argentina, you now have, you know, more than 40 percent of the lower house in the Senate um, with seats filled by women. Has the region taken this issue seriously? Have there been any efforts to prioritize attracting women to the security services? Well, you have to t- treat it seriously. And I think in some cases in the past that has been missing at the leadership level that, you know, you don't only talk about it, but you need to target the barriers. What are the, maybe some, some things are very simple, but, you know, having separate bathrooms or things like that, that, that make it very tough on the day to day. And, you know, so there may be cultural obstacles. And so there needs to be a lot of discussion on it, conversations on it. And it's a multi-generational shift. It's not going to happen overnight, but it, we need to work on it. And so these, this is why I think that the Southcom's approach, which is certainly something that the Admiral Fowler, uh, the previous or current about to uh, transition out commander, uh, has integrated this issue across everything that is done in the command, because it should be seen as you know, part of the training, part of the services, of, of the engagements, part of the exercises, part of the capacity building, uh, the institutional capacity building. So it's an ongoing conversation. And there's the political consensus, and then there's the practical impl- uh, implementation. And I think from what I saw, there's been as we talk about it and we have our senior leaders talk about it, there's there's more a realization by the leadership that there needs to be this gender parity. But now we need to continue to talk about it. So why doesn't it happen? And those are the specifics of in the implementation. That's where we get caught on. Uh, and you know, there are tremendous differences in the, in the region. And it's going to be a hard, a hard battle. Liliana, what can we expect in terms of spillover from the barracks of greater female representation in the armed forces in Latin America? So if, you know, Southcom modeling good behavior here can really make a difference, would we see, you know, other effects in societies in Latin America that are mistreating women in any number of ways, whether it's the gender wage gap, the explosion in gender-based violence throughout this pandemic experience, you know, lack of representation in in private sector leadership roles, I mean, and, and down the line? 
might we see that a greater a presence of, of women in the armed forces and particularly leadership roles might have broader societal benefits in a region where, again, women um, have not really played the role, for example, in the workforce that, that they should be playing? I think so. I, uh, there's enough research that's been done, enough analysis that demonstrates that including uh, women across all sectors makes a difference. There's a dif- that's 50% of the population. And we see the world differently. It's just a different perspective. And the the issues of, of this hemisphere, uh, since they're not kinetic, they relate to transnational criminal organizations. It's very difficult to pinpoint one answer. The respond is multi, multidimensional, multidisciplinary. And so you have to include women in the table to build up that credibility, to build that effectiveness. And so if you see it in the, the armed forces, that that is going to make a difference. And that may have a spillover effect to others. It's again, it's not an easy answer because we're dragging these uh, figures of, of violence and certainly uh, against women in certain countries, particularly they stand out globally. But, you know, we need to continue to work on it. And I, I, I do believe it would have a spillover effect because the conversation itself makes a difference. Liliana, what sort of reception will the new commander get in Latin America, a place that may not be accustomed to seeing women in those positions? I ask you in particular because you've traveled to the region throughout your career as a senior official at USAID, as twice ambassador in, in Paraguay and Brazil. You know, how were you treated also, you know, in your senior role at the Southern Command? How were how you received? How are you treated? And, you know, what should she expect? So, actually, I thought about that, uh, but it was more thinking back on how I was treated, not not at the time, because the United States has a brand, and as U.S. ambassador, I have a seat on the table, and so people respect that. Uh, that's not to say that there's, you know, there's nuances there, but, you know, I sort of ignored that and made sure that I carried the water as, as, as the representative of, of the president. And I, I suspect that the commander, uh, the incoming commander, General Richardson, will, will be received well. There'll be a lot of curiosity. And I think it's going to be up to her to see how she manages that role. Uh, and because it is a different command, a different region with different types of issues, a lot of it is about building partnerships and building those relationships and building that trust. So that in itself will be interesting to, to see whether she has uh, those characteristics to be able to build those relationships with the military re- leadership of the region. But I, I suspect she will find an open door because the military, the armed forces of the region in general, look at us as a, a, as a reference. They want to partner with us. In my experience, even during the tough moments in our bilateral relationships, and we had some in the case of Brazil, the military saw eye to eye. There's a long-lasting rela- historical relationship between the armed forces. So that will continue uh, reg- regardless. And so it's taking advantage of that. A seat at the table, the brand of the United States, we are partners, we are friends, we, may bu- we mean business. It's our neighborhood. What happens to our partners makes a difference to us. And so we take advantage of that and of that that seat. And so I think, I think uh, she will be well received again with some curiosity because it's different. Uh, It's just a, 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 not a usual thing. So, but I look forward to the day where we won't even have these conversations. It would just be natural. 
Before we conclude, I do want to ask you what you think General Richardson's priorities will be in, in assuming command at the Southern Command. I mean, as you know, and you've mentioned, this is not a region with great interstate warfare. The United States is often focused on humanitarian response. Uh, climate change has seen a greater need for the United States to be there after natural disasters. You had mentioned that generally the mill-mill relationships are strong, but of course, this is a region fragmented right now ideologically. Um, there are countries that do not support the hemispheric uh, security infrastructure that the United States has helped establish, but would rather have relationships with, with different actors, such as the Chinese, or would rather that Latin America manage its own military affairs with, to the exclusion of the United States, you know, there's now issues of, of uh, overfishing that Southcom has become quite interested in in the region. You know, what do you think General Richardson will prioritize and, you know, what will be the state of mill-mill relations that she inherits, given, as I mentioned, the sort of fragmentation of the region right now with leaders across the ideological spectrum? That's correct. It's uh, So we're entering a different period but there are long-lasting relationships that uh, she will definitely build on. As the new commander comes in, they usually get about 90 days to assess the situation, to listen, to learn, to just get a good feel for what those challenges are. I have no doubt that the challenges and the threats that we currently have will continue to be a priority. Drugs and, and the transnational criminal organizations and everything that they bring to the region which is illegal fishing, illegal you know, trafficking in people and arms and gold, will continue to be critical uh, disruptors of peace and security in the region. So those, that will continue to be a case. I think China's effort of becoming, having a greater role in the region will continue to be a, a threat to us. We want to be the partner of choice. And so how do we, with diminishing resources, how do we make the best use of what we have of our of our, of our security cooperation leads in each country to really give us the uh, the openings. You know, there is going to be a lot of work that's going to be done in the interagency as this, the po politics of the region change dramatically with uh, possibly with uh, some who've already changed. Some may change with the elections, upcoming elections. You know, how do we maneuver that? That's the uniqueness of this command. It has a, it's not only joint in terms of services, but it's also very integrated with our whole of government, interagency, certainly a very close relationship with the State Department to make sure that our foreign policy is uh, calibrated and synchronized and we don't make mistakes. Because I think... The military, because of its history in the region, has to be very careful about its footprint, about nuancing its vocabulary, about how we go in, when we go in. And those are things that uh, come with some of the lessons learned of the past. But I suspect that will become even more uh, critical as we have some more of these ideological differences in, in the region. Liliana, thank you so much for joining us. I know you left your position at Southern Command, but you remain in Florida. So hopefully the new commander will benefit from your expertise and, and you know, your vast experiences in the region, including as the senior civilian advisor to the uh, soon to be former commander at the Southern Command. So thank you so much for, for sharing these insights at this historic moment. Thank you, Ben. Thank you for the invitation. And yes, I look forward to continuing to, to engage with the command. I'm currently part of the advisory group that uh, the commander has, and depending on whether uh, General Richardson will continue with that, I will be happy to continue to join that. Excellent. Liliana, thank you so much. 
This episode of To The Point was produced by Oscar Cruz and edited by Sam Vicroy. For more on this subject, visit our website, www.wilsoncenter.org lap. Thanks for listening.